Mess up your entire holiday season. Would you stand with me and let's read it? What was that? What was that? The title of the sermon? Oh. oh. What? It's liturgical. Did I say sit down? No, you just sit down. And then I said stand up? Yeah, he's right. It's liturgical. I, I borrowed from our liturgical brothers and sisters. Come on. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your amazing, powerful word. I thank you for the good news of the gospel. May we become excited about it. May we become enthused about it. May we become charged with our commission today in Jesus name amen you may be seated I'm going to try to preach one-handed which isn't my normal method um, how many of you have seen a Charlie Brown's Christmas how many of you have never seen a Charlie Brown's Christmas Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, this isn't the Hall of Shame thing here. I'm, I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering about the people who didn't raise their hand for either one. Do you, do you know that this is the universal response to, yeah? I, just wondered. Uh, December the 9th, 1965, Charlie Brown's Christmas was aired for the first time. It is the longest running animated uh, television series uh, to ever appear on television. It has been on TV, on uh, broadcast television, actually, uh, every year for the last 48 years. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who don't know about it, and for those of you who do, it's, it's fun to, to kind of be remembered. Charlie Brown is depressed, which is an unusual state for Charlie Brown to be in. Uh, he's depressed about Christmas because there's presents and there's food and there's, there are lights and music and the tree and... And, and this big old empty hole inside. Does anybody, can anybody relate to that big old empty hole inside? I mean, and you, know, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, even with all that stuff, 
There's, I think I was five years old when I first realized, ooh, wait a minute, something doesn't, something doesn't feel right. And Charlie Brown uh, is, is feeling this way, and he goes out, and he, uh, uh, his dog Snoopy is uh, decorating his doghouse because he's entered a contest, a uh, neighborhood lighting contest. Um, and that doesn't make Charlie feel any better, that his dog is even into the commercialism thing. And his, his little sister Sally comes up to him and, and wants him to help her write a letter to Santa. And Charlie thinks, maybe this will make me feel better, which it kind of does until she gets to the part where she goes and send money. I want lots and lots of money. And he goes, oh, even my sister is into it. So he goes to get advice from Lucy. How many of you know Lucy isn't always the best person to get advice from? And Lucy says, what you need, Charlie Brown, is you need to get more involved. You need to direct the school Christmas pageant. Nativity pageant, actually. Now, there's a couple of things about that. First of all, how many of you are actually familiar with the term school nativity pageant? Yeah, you have to be a certain age to know what that's all about. Uh, and then second of all, uh, telling someone to direct a Christmas nativity pageant is not the way to bring them out of a funk or out of, a, out of feeling badly about what's going on. So anyway, Charlie Brown goes and, and, uh, and none of the kids will pay any attention to him. They're just dancing around and, you know, having, having fun. And if you've ever directed a bunch of kids, you understand what that's like. And they finally send Charlie out and say, what we need, Charlie, is a Christmas tree. So they send him to go get a Christmas tree, get a big, bright, shiny, aluminum Christmas tree, and bring it back. And so he goes to uh, the Christmas tree place, and almost all of the Christmas trees are big, bright, shiny, aluminum ones, but he doesn't get that, does he? What does he get? He gets a scrawny, miserable-looking little tree that happens to also be the only live thing on the lot, although it's hanging on to life by just a thread. And Charlie brings it back in, and the kids see it, and they begin to laugh at him and make fun of him. And, and he's even more depressed. He's going, I've just, I must not know what Christmas is all about. Would somebody tell me what it's all about? And you know what happens? You know, Linus steps out and quotes some of the passage that we just read. And there were in the fields shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And I was, uh, Ken Tibbetts pointed out to me uh, before the service, he had seen a little thing about this earlier. And apparently as soon as, uh, the angel of the Lord says to them, Fear not, Linus drops his blanket and doesn't pick it back up again for the rest of the speech. Which, if you know anything about Linus, it's pretty cool. And the angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, I bring you glad tidings of great joy, which shall be for all of the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, on whom his favor rests. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And Charlie Brown has an epiphany. That's what Christmas is all about. That, that empty feeling begins to fill up inside of him. And he kind of gets this glow. And he picks up his little Christmas tree that everyone's made fun of. And he, and he walks away. And the next time we see him, he's passing by Snoopy's doghouse. And Snoopy has won first prize for the best decorated house in the neighborhood. And Charlie even feels okay about that now. He puts the tree down. He goes over. He gets an ornament off of Snoopy's house, and he puts it on the tree. And you know what happens, right? And Charlie Brown goes, ah, I've killed it. Have you ever had an epiphany from God, something that just awakened something inside of you, only to be shortly thereafter slapped in the face by so-called reality. Well, let me tell you something. The epiphany was the reality. The slap in the face is the illusion. So, Charlie Brown thinks he's killed the tree, hasn't killed the tree. He goes running off. All the kids get all repentant and they understand what Christmas is about now and so they go and they get all of the decorations off of Snoopy's uh, uh, house and they put it on the tree and the tree is standing up great and tall. It's amazing how when you only give God a little bit it kills things but when you give him everything it, it gets, gets to feeling good and Charlie Brown comes out and they all sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. A little bit of trivia about uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas. First of all, in case you didn't notice, if you've ever seen it, you had to notice, it was done on a shoestring budget. Um, amateur kids were doing the, the voices, choppy animation, uh, a poorly mixed sound, uh, jazz music in a, in a children's thing. You know, I mean, what's not to like? You know? And uh, thankfully, over the years, Charles Schultz has steadfastly refused to let anyone fix the issues that this thing has. You know, some people grow beans, some people count beans, and some people make magic beans. And the people who can count beans and grow beans like to tell the magic beans people how to do their business, but they just don't always know what they're doing, especially if they're TV executives. And uh, so they tried to, tried to get him to change it, but he wouldn't. Also, the special, essentially and thankfully, uh, we, we can all give thanks on this Thanksgiving, uh, eliminated the fat of aluminum Christmas trees in our culture. From 1958 up until, up until 65, aluminum trees are very popular. How many of you had an aluminum tree yet in, in your house? Oh, there aren't all that many old people here. Uh, because if you were around during that era, you probably, you probably had one, and they were disgusting. Now, they've become uh, apparently collector's items now, and they sell for a whole lot of money, but that's not got anything to do with taste. That's all about nostalgia. Just, just, just telling you. Uh, by 1967, but two years later, you couldn't find one because they didn't make them anymore. And Charlie Brown's Christmas had a lot to do with that. The network executives wanted a laugh track on it, which is the last thing Charlie Brown's Christmas needs. They wanted adult actors instead of children doing it and they wanted children's music 
instead of that beautiful soundtrack that it has. And they didn't want Linus quoting, reading from the King James Bible because people wouldn't want to set through a reading. And Charles Schultz's response is wonderful. It's just wonderful. And verbatim, it was, if we don't tell the true meaning of Christmas, who will? And so the executive said, well, you know, we're going to air this thing because we've already said that we would and, and it's already being advertised, but uh, I'm afraid we won't be ordering anymore. <laughs> well, the, the night that it aired, over, over 50% of the TVs in the United States were tuned to a Charlie Brown's Christmas. It was a, it was a huge uh, uh, commercial and critical Success! It, it won a won an, uh, oh I'm sorry that that's the end of it there it won a won an Emmy award for uh, excellence in children's programming it won a Peabody award for for excellence in, uh, in, in in entertainment I saw it as a 15 year old know it all and uh, I remember exactly what I thought it must have had an impact because I remember it so well I, I remember it. Exact, I remember exactly what I thought when I saw it. I thought, that's crazy. Who doesn't know the Christmas story? They just spent a whole half hour of television reading a passage of Scripture that everybody already knows. Charles Schultz may have been a prophet, may have seen what was coming. This week, uh, Springhouse Theater opens the best Christmas pageant ever. It's going to be real good. And bring the lights down. I want to show you the trailer for it. Jane, Edna McCarthy, I just heard that Imogene Herdman was going to be Mamfrey in the Christmas pageant. And I... Is that a fact? All six of them? Oh... Jane, I live next door to that outfit, and I would rather live next door to a zoo. Has Grace Bradley gone crazy? Oh, well, that must be Grace's fault somehow. How else would the six of them end up in the Christmas pageant when they ought to be in jail? Oh, better lock up the church and hand the silver service and oh, hide the collection plates before they clean out. Oh, 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 I know. And I'm a Jane what kind of child is that to be playing Mary, the mother of Jesus? Oh. <laughs> the, uh, the Herdmans are the rough, uh, poor kids. And uh, as, at least when I was growing up, as is often the case, the rough poor kids usually were a few grades behind, so they were also the big kids uh, in any class. And they were on a first-name basis with the folks from child welfare. And, and they only came to church because they heard that uh, you got free snacks in Sunday school. Somebody, somebody 
blabbed and let the news out. And so the herdmen showed up to get free snacks. And then they heard about the Christmas pageant and decided they wanted to be in the Christmas pageant. And all the other kids were afraid to take any of the major roles because the herdmans would fix them if they did. And the first rehearsal, we discover that they know absolutely nothing about the Christmas story. Nothing. Young girl being pregnant out of wedlock, they know about that. Finding no place for them in the end when they, when they go to try and have a place of refuge and there's no room for them, they know about that. H having the authorities after them like Herod was Jesus, they know about that. They've never heard the Christmas story. And so when the director begins to say something about it, uh, Imogene Herdman, you know, takes her cigar out of her mouth and gets up and says, wait, start at the beginning. And they go, well, it's, it's the Christmas story. I know, start at the beginning. Never heard it. And so the, uh, the director gets ready to read part of the Christmas story and all of the church kids are going, oh, we got to hear it. We got to hear this read again because these people don't know it. And the Herdmans are kind of like, it's like when I was a freshman in high school, I took vocational agriculture. I had no business doing that. Does this look like a farmer? <laughs> I mean, seriously. And, and, uh, and, and everybody else in the class were all farmers. You know what? I was the only one who made an A because I was the only one interested in what they were talking about. I didn't know anything about it. Really? You put those things in the ground and they come up? <laughs> so the herdmans were, were interested in what was going on. And as you might expect, it all turns out well. But the best part is what happens to the herdmans. I no longer think it's strange when people don't know the story. The first one to hear the story were the shepherds. And if they had uh, had cows instead of sheep, they would have been herd men. Uh, just, just, I mean, it's something that occurred to me during rehearsals. They were the poor and the despised of society, which reminds us of Jesus' first assignment which he read on the first sermon that we hear him giving. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. Those to whom uh, trickle down never seems to trickle far enough to reach them. And it was, that, that wasn't his only audience. Yeah, he also had the prisoners and the blind and the oppressed. All those people that we like to avoid. All those people that, that we like to, to not hang out with or try to make excuses for why they are the way they are. Instead of understanding this is Jesus' first assignment. And we're the body of Christ. These are those uh, we tend to not want to be around. These are the ones who are actually open to the gospel. That's, that's why so often our, our uh, attempts at evangelism are so fruitless. 
we're shooting at the wrong, we're shooting at the wrong target. Oftentimes, we're, we're, going, we're, going, for the, we're going for the wrong crowds. And, and we think, well, people just aren't open to the gospel. Their hearts are hard. It's not that their hearts are hard. Our, our, our fear and our comfort are too great. It's what it is. And we don't really want to get, get close to the ones who are ready to hear the good news. And what is the good news? This is the year of the Lord's favor. If you... If you watch the news, God help you and deliver you of it. But if you, if you watch the news or if you read the news or if you get your news on the Internet or wherever you happen to get it, good news is hard to come by. It's hard to come by. And yet, we've got it. We've got it. We've, we've got the most exciting We've got the, the greatest news that there has ever been. Somewhere along the way, we decided it was better to preach the message of John the Baptist than it was to move on and preach the message of Jesus. Now, John the Baptist's message was, you know, repent, and that's, that's great. But Jesus' message was, you know, hey, the, the new covenant is here. It's not, you know, I've, I've repented and repented and repented and repented and repented, and I'm still a stinker. Yeah, but the new covenant is here. It's what, it's what the good news is. And the next ones to hear the story were those to whom the shepherds told it. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Did, the, did everyone believe? Probably not, but they were amazed. How can we not be amazed by this story? You mean his mommy and daddy weren't even married when he... You mean they didn't even have any room for Jesus in the inn? You mean they tried to kill him when he was a little baby? Oh, didn't they know he was God? Uh, no. They didn't, but it's an amazing story. He came to his enemies. He came to the dispossessed. He isn't in the palace. He, he doesn't walk the halls of power. He's in the barn. He's in the stable. He's in the cave. Go see, go see him. Get, get over there and see him. I've met him, and he wants to meet you. The best gift you have to give this year doesn't cost any money. The best gift you have to give to anybody is, is this. Come, all who are thirsty, to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. This is one of the two major times of the year where we're most likely to have the ear of our secular neighbors. The other's around Easter time. And you'd be surprised how many of them would love to hear the story because they don't know it. You'd be surprised how many of them have never heard the story. And you'd also probably be surprised, or maybe you wouldn't, by how many aren't going to hear the story because their Christian neighbor has never read the story themselves. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention a name that I'll probably catch flack for, but I'm going to go there anyway. Um, every now and then, I actually like to listen to Bill Mayer because uh, for a couple of reasons, for three reasons. One, it, it, he's, he's funny. He's got some funny stuff to say. And, uh, you know, I admit it. I like funny. And uh, two, it's sometimes a good thing to listen to your critics because sometimes they say some things that you missed. 
that you actually need to hear. And the other reason why I like to listen to him is I just can't help but go, that man, you know, he's got, he's got to get saved. I mean, he just does have to get saved. You can't be that, you can't talk about Jesus and God that much, even if you're talking bad about him without going, there's something inside of you that just won't let go there. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for that guy. But I, he said something one time that, uh, that I, I that really made an impact on me. And I thought, you know, he's not all that wrong. He was talking about, um, uh, he said something about there were 25, like 25% of Christians believe that Christianity is older than Judaism. And he was saying, he was, you know, trying to say that Christians are actually, people in general aren't smart. But, you know, he was saying, and they've got this book that has an Old Testament in it and a New Testament in it, and they can't figure out which one comes first. But what I'm going is, but the problem, Bill, you, you don't get is a lot of those people you're talking about have never actually opened that book. They don't even know there's an Old Testament and a New Testament in it, much less what it says. I love having a guy take up the offering who's going to use verses from Exodus. I mean, he'll be in, he'll be in Chronicles before, before, before this thing's all over. Who actually knows that there's something in the book to be read. It is, oh. If you're, speaking of our liturgical brothers and sisters, one of the things that they just beat the snot out of us at doing, and yeah, I said that, but that was intentional to get everyone's attention and, and, is devotion, daily devotion. I mean, you know, yeah, we sing loud. We dance sometimes. We just don't open the book in the morning and read it or at night. We just don't put it into our lives. And so that, that's, a, that's a, sometimes why we don't tell the story. You'd be surprised how many have never heard the story, how, how many would love to hear it, and how many have never, never been invited to go meet him at all, never been invited to, to, eat, to even come to church. Uh, the Barner Research Group says that uh, of those who are not church-going people, something in the neighborhood of 70% have never been invited to church. And that roughly half of them say, well, if somebody invited me, I'd go. I'll go check it out. We offer many opportunities here at SWAC during this season. Uh, Springhouse Theater, best Christmas pageant ever. I mean, invite, invite them. And, and let me just say this. If you've got a creepy neighbor, that's who I'm talking about. That's, the, that's your target. That's really the, the one that you need to be talking to. You know, invite them to come see a play. Uh, you know, don't tell them it's in a church. Just bring them in. Be kind of sneaky about it. We'll, we'll, we'll keep the secret, you know, until, you know, until they go, well, what else do they do there? And then it kind of opens up. The Advent services. The, the artist open house we're having on the 11th. The, did they hand those cards out again this week? Okay, and there's, and there's more of them. Uh, invite your friends to that. First of all, let me say that not all the artists are Christians, and that's by design, because a couple of them are people that I know, and I went, I want them in here. I want them, I want them in here. I want them to, to, to meet our people. I want, them to be, I want them to get the Christian cooties all over them and, and, and 
decide, wow, this, is, this might be something that I might want to do. And, you, and your, your neighbors, you can, well, they're not going to want to come to us. Look, it's, it is so cool and so hot these days to support local. All of these are local artists. Go, they're local artists that are going to be here. You know, I mean, there are people who are so weird and they wouldn't have any, you know, you'd think they wouldn't have anything to do with the gospel, but they're local. They'll go for local. Just get them in the building. Don't be afraid. Just ask them. Carols by candlelight. Woohoo. Christmas Day from 12 to noon. Oh, they, they wouldn't want to come on Christmas Day. How do you know that? Do you think they are immune from that empty feeling that you have when you don't put Christ in the middle of that day? Of course they're not. They feel just as empty as you do. They will come. This Christmas, I said it was a quirky little sermon that uh, I hope messed your Christmas up. This Christmas, as we consider this, consider the charge. It's real simple. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Boom. ba ba boom. And this is one of the two times of the year that it's the easiest because it should be all about the gospel. He's here. And in the, the words of Charles Schultz, if we don't tell the true meaning of Christmas, who will? It's not the government's job. It's not the school's job. It's not Hollywood's job. It's not the television's job. It's our job. And you may go, well, it's your job. We pay you to do it. No, 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 you pay me to tell you what your job is. Yeah. You know, I really feel like, I really, really feel like this is going to be a special year for some people because some people are going to walk out here and they're going to carry this with them and they're going to, and they're going to do it. They're going to go, would you like to? And they're going to say, yes. I mean, it's not any harder than asking somebody out on the first date, you know, when you did that at some point in time. And they're going to say yes, and they're going to come, and they're going to get saved, and their whole lives are going to get changed. You're going to go, wow, this is the best Christmas that's ever happened. Would you stand with me? Would those who are going to pray with people come forward? Because the devil doesn't take the holidays off. And if you're here today and you need prayer for something, you need a physical healing, you need a relationship to be mended. Yeah. Maybe the Lord's laid somebody on your heart, and you kind of go, well, you know, I, I, I might ought to have some prayer before I go do this. If you're here and you don't know Christ, we'd love to introduce you to him. He's, he's here. Hey, hey, the Savior's been born. <laughs> Let me introduce you to him. It's that easy. If you don't need to come, we're going to worship for a few moments. But if you do, you come. We'd love to, love to pray with you.
Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into a, a dangerous and desperately wicked world because he had such love for us and because he had such good news to bring us may that same anointing that rested upon Jesus that anointing of love for the dispossessed and that excitement about the good news from the Father may it overtake you And may you share it with others around you through Jesus Christ our Lord.